Hi, folks. Welcome to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by Spoken. This is a learning English system that puts an English coach in your pocket. With Spoken, you can get private English lessons through your favorite messaging apps like WeChat, Line, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, and more. Their English learning content is designed specifically to meet your needs as a learner of English. It's ideal for people who need to improve their English for work, travel, or exams. And it's very convenient because you do the tasks in your phone at your own pace. And check this out. You can sign up for a 60-minute private one-to-one lesson with a trained native English instructor, which includes a free assessment of your current English skills. Spoken are also offering discounts to listeners of my podcast. To qualify for this offer, you need to use my URL, which is getspoken.com slash LEP. Getspoken.com slash LEP or click a Spoken logo on my website. Also, let me just remind you that Luke's English podcast Podcast Premium is now uh, operational, and you can sign up at teacherluke.co.uk/premium. Okay, then that's it. Here's the jingle starting right now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Football, 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 England, 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 nah, nah, England, England. All right, welcome to the podcast. The World Cup is um, in full swing now. So here's my second World Cup uh, podcast. I don't really have much planned here. The idea is that I'm just going to spill my thoughts into the microphone. I haven't had time to uh, plan the entire episode in great detail. Instead, what I'm going to do is, well, two things. One thing is I'm going to look look at my uh, World Cup wall charts here. Can you hear that? That's the sound of my, my World Cup wall chart. I'm going to look through the World Cup wall chart and attempt to remember everything that's happened. But... Um, I'm sure I'm going to miss a few details, but I'm going to go through the wall chart and try and talk about what's been going on in the World Cup. And then I'm going to read out some comments that have been posted on the website recently. Okay, right. The the thing about doing um, podcasts during the World Cup is that, of course, everything changes very quickly. Today is Thursday, the what, 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 5th of July. And there's no football today. And there was no football yesterday either. And uh, basically, the second round is finished. And now we're into the quarterfinals. This is when things get really exciting. Um, so we, the, the last time I spoke to you on this podcast about the World Cup, we were just beginning um, the second round. And the group stages were just coming to a close. Uh, the second round is all done now. And we're through to the quarterfinals, which are going to start on Friday at 3 p.m., uh, England time and that'll be France versus Uruguay and then later on that we have Brazil versus Belgium on Friday as well so the the tricky thing about doing a podcast during the World Cup is that things change so quickly and I'm recording this on Thursday the 5th of July but you know you might be listening to this at the weekend or something and by that point everything may have changed completely so anyway I hope that you I hope that you've been enjoying the World Cup. Uh, generally, the consensus seems to be that it's really good, don't you? Everyone seems to be saying it's 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 great. Everything's doing everything's going really well. The football is is exciting, and also the way it's been hosted 
apparently is also good. Um, these are the reports that uh, I'm getting from, for example, you know, the newspapers and uh, the the podcasts that I've been listening to. I've been listening to the Guardian's podcast for the World Cup, which I think is called World Cup Daily. I can't remember what they're called. There's two podcasts I've been listening to about the World Cup. There's the Guardian's one, which is called what? Football. Normally, it's called Guardian Football Weekly, but they're they're podcasting every day. And I quite enjoy that one. I think that's my favorite one. The other one I've been listening to is the BBC's World Cup Daily. And they've got great guests. They have they actually interview members of the England team, for example, um, and uh, they've got all the you know they've got access to all the the guests and stuff that you'd imagine. They they broadcast from inside the stadiums and stuff. So anyway, the reports I've been getting are that the World Cup is going really well, not just for the football, but for the way it's been hosted. Um, yes, all right. So uh, I'm I'm sorry if I miss anything. I'm bound to miss a few things here because there are loads of details in this World Cup and it's hard to cover them all. I'm just going to look at the wall chart now and see what I can say while also reading out some comments. Oh, by the way, one of the highlights for me for this competition so far has been listening to English TV presenters and commentators attempt to say Nizhny Novgorod. Um, the other day, one of them said Nizhny Nizhi Novgorod, which was, you know... Not right, not correct, but still, I feel vindicated now. Because you've heard me on this podcast before talking about Nizhny Novgorod and getting it wrong. But listening to literally every British TV presenter or radio presenter getting it wrong too makes me feel very vindicated. It's not just me. There you go. Um, so that's, that's been the highlight for me. But anyway, let's go through the wall chart and see if I can remember what the hell happened. So France versus Argentina. That was a fantastic game, wasn't it? In the end, France beat Argentina 4-3. Um, what can I remember about that game? There's been so much football, I can hardly remember it all. But basically, I guess France ultimately outplayed Argentina and, uh, you know... Basically, Argentina relied on Messi too much, and he didn't have the most wonderful game. The rest of the team weren't really um, capable in the end. But I think what happened, Argentina uh, took the lead in the beginning, didn't they? Something like that. And then France came back. Oh, my God. My memory is, is like a sieve. A sieve is something you would use when you're cooking. When you're making a cake, you put all the flour, the white powder... You put all the flour into a sieve and you shake it and then it kind of um, makes the powder uh, more fine. A sieve. So it's a thing with lots of holes in it. My memory is like a sieve. I can hardly remember. There's just been too much excitement and too much football to to be able to remember it all. Uruguay 2, Portugal 1. So goodbye Portugal and Cristiano Ronaldo. But Uruguay are proving to be um, a very strong team. Um, and basically, as far as I can tell, they've got an excellent defence and they've got good um, attack, attacking players as well. So that makes them, I think, very strong. They, maybe they're just lacking in the midfield, but um, great in, at the back, great at the front, Uruguay. And I've, I fancy Uruguay for, for the World Cup here, but they're playing their next game against France and I'm sort of supporting France. But I've, you know, I kind of fancy Uruguay in this World Cup. Um, Spain got knocked out by Russia, which was kind of amazing. Russia, um, I guess what they did is they defended and they defended hard. And in the end, what was it? A a penalty shootout. And uh, I guess 
I mean, you know, how can you explain a penalty shootout? Is it pressure? Is it practice? Is it just, you know, mental factors? You know, the fact that if you're doing a penalty shootout at home, maybe that's a big advantage. But anyway, in the end, Spain knocked out by Russia. So the host nation go through. Uh, Spain have uh, been sent packing. They're on their way home. In fact, they may already may already be at home. Denmark versus Croatia. That was a, a fantastic and exciting game, um, especially at the end. Mainly at the end, I think, because of the way it ended with penalties. And Denmark kind of um, they played very well, really, and and they they did very well to. Um, draw with Croatia all the way until the end. I think Croatia are also a very impressive team. There's clearly a lot of teamwork there. They've got like a really good um, sort of uh, atmosphere um, feeling uh, in the team. They work very well together. And Luka Modric, my my doppelganger, uh, my FIFA PlayStation version of me, um, is, um, I mean, he's brilliant. I, I feel like when... I'm watching him. I just every time he gets the ball, I'm thinking, right, he's not gonna. He's just he never fails, does he? This guy never seems to do any mistake, make any mistakes. He never does anything wrong. He's utterly reliable and a great asset for um, Croatia to have on the pitch. I like the I like the way some teams have got like these star players who you you watch out for. Well, in Croatia, it's definitely uh, Luka Modric. Uh, Brazil versus Mexico. Well, I guess Brazil are now starting to show their class in terms of their footballing pedigree. So Brazil are kind of getting their act together and are starting to perform better now. Even even if Neymar is still rolling around on the floor and acting like a drama queen, um, Brazil are really starting to click into gear now. And we saw other members of the team like William, for example... Um, I don't know what his full name is, but just William. Is that it? It just He's just got one name? Um, anyway, William was excellent and dangerous. And Brazil are certainly better than they were four years ago. And I think that, um, you know, they've got to be the favourites for this. Mexico did very, very well, but in the end... Uh, they weren't able to contain Brazil. Belgium three, Japan two. So I, I um, this was tense stuff as well. And uh, um, did it go to penalties? I can't remember. Oh, you can see how my memory's shot to pieces. Also, I've been very busy um, this week uh, pre- preparing premium episodes and stuff before um, I start work on intensive English courses during july for two weeks this month i'll be teaching all day every day six hours a day which um is going to be um very busy and and demanding and then in august it's you know the holiday season and um there'll be uh you know, I'll be going away and all that stuff. So I've got to work very hard in these two weeks of July to kind of get as much stuff produced as I can. What happened? Okay, I'm watching now. I'm watching Japan um, score their first goal to go one up against Belgium. That's what happened first. Big, big result that for Japan to to initially lead against uh, Belgium, one of the favourites. And then a stunning goal from... I guess about 20 yards, another one by Japan. So they went 2-0 up. So things were looking great for Japan. And I mean, 
this is a big deal for for Japan. They they don't often get through to a quarter final of the World Cup, certainly against a, a team like Belgium. Um, and I think the the Japanese goalkeeper was also excellent uh, during this game. I remember, but Belgium managed to come back. They they uh, scored a. Several goals. There was one looping header uh, from outside the box, and then um, another header by Fellaini, who is um, the danger man who they brought on the pitch. The danger man in the air. He's, he's he often scores with his head, uh, and then ultimately um, Belgium went on to score a third goal, um, and uh, and that was that. And and the goal came from uh, uh, an intelligent uh, throw by the goalkeeper and Belgium came out on the break and it was a fantastic third goal with Lukaku kind of uh, dummying, like skipping over the ball to let the ball continue onto the far post where I can't remember the name of the player. Who was it who scored? I can't remember his name. Anyway, Belgium scored and it was very close to the end, full time. But I mean, I feel sorry for Japan because they came so close. They did so well. But in the end, um, it just wasn't enough. Um, Belgium, still one of the favourite teams, I think. Sweden and Switzerland. Well, Sweden beat Switzerland. And so they have gone through to the quarterfinals. They're going to face England. Um what happened? What happened? <laughs> Why can't I not remember any of this? Basically, Sweden won 1-0 and uh, one of the Swiss players got sent off near the end of the game. I don't know what else to say about that. But Sweden are proving themselves to be a, an impressive team and potentially a tough team to play against. And then that brings us to England versus Colombia. Oh my goodness. This is probably why I can't remember anything else that happened because I'm still just recovering from um, from that game. And so England uh, went, well, okay, w- what can I say about this England-Columbia game? First of all, it was an extremely scrappy game. And by scrappy, I mean lots of fighting, lots of... Um, lots. Of, it, it, it stopped, the game stopped a lot. The referee was... I think most people agree that I think the only thing that people agree on is that the referee was rubbish and he didn't seem to have control of the game and he wasn't able to impose discipline where he should have imposed it. The Colombians seem to believe that the referee was somehow working for England. I think this is the narrative that's coming out of Colombia. So the Colombian side of the story is that the Colombian team were very brave and they worked very hard and they, they fought hard and they, you know, they did really well, but the the English the um, referee was biased in favour of England. And then the English narrative, I guess, what's coming out of the English newspapers and stuff, and generally what English people have been saying, is that um, that the Colombians were dirty, like really dirty, kind of cheating, um, fouling, um, and um, doing all sorts of uh, things, and that the referee wasn't strict enough. With the Colombians, for example, there was one moment where one of the England players, so um, there was a, I guess, a free kick or a corner, and you know the way the players jostle for position in the penalty area. Um, well, one of the Colombian players kind of like um, pushed his head into the chest of an England player, and then moved his head up and kind of hit 
the England player on the chin with his with his head. Now it wasn't very strong. It probably didn't hurt very much, but he did kind of headbutt the England player's chin. Now the England player went down and made the most of it. He he kind of went down and uh, uh you know made the most of it, which I find very disappointing. I mean, it's unfortunately it's now part of the game where players will act up their injuries. Uh, they'll make a big play. They'll make a big sort of uh, drama about um, even a small infraction in order to, I guess, signal to the referee that it's happened. And this is the sort of thing that, let's face it, most of us hate this kind of behaviour, right? This is why Neymar gets uh, criticised so much because he, you know, all you need to do is kind of uh, uh, just brush close to him and he'll throw himself on the floor. Well, this England player did that. He went down holding his face, as you would expect. Um, but the referee gave the guy a yellow card. And a lot of English people are thinking that this this was worth a red card. Mm, I'm not sure. I wonder. I mean, it wasn't a very strong headbutt to the chin. But it was a, it was a headbutt to the chin. So, I don't know. I think on on one hand, you think... Well, the England player clearly kind of took a dive, let's face it. And I, I think that England players took a few dives during that match, which I find very disappointing. I just want the English players never to do that sort of thing. I want them to stay on their feet and to to use fair play because I can't stand that kind of cheating, frankly. Um, so admittedly, the England player took a bit of a dive. But also the Colombian I mean, the, the conduct of the Colombian players was pretty shocking. And there were some moments of, you know, shocking behaviour. I think even one of the coaching staff elbowed one of the English players as he was coming back uh, off the pitch. And all sorts of other things like that going on. So very disappointing stuff. Now, the thing about um, Colombia is that when they stopped playing around and stopped kind of, uh, you know, uh, hassling the referee and, and fouling and diving and stuff, when they stopped doing that and actually started to play football... They played very well. You could even say that they outplayed England. England played pretty solidly for the first 80 minutes or so. And after that, I got the impression that they felt like it was in the bag. They felt like the victory was in the bag. We were 1-0 up. And I guess when it got close to full time, I just got the impression that the England players were tired and they felt like it was in the bag. But it was a mistake because it wasn't in the bag because Colombia scored an equaliser right near the end, I think, in in additional time, which brought us into extra time. Uh, and nothing happened in extra time except more scrappy fighting and, and uh, arguing with a referee and, and all that stuff. Uh, and then ultimately penalties, which is every England per- English person's nightmare. A penalty shootout in the World Cup. Um, and, I mean, most of you will know that we've been sent out of international football uh, competitions many times before on penalties. In fact, it's kind of a curse, the curse of penalties. So here is our record so far of our penalty shootouts in international competitions. I think it's just the World Cup. 1990 versus West Germany, we lost in the semi-final on penalties. 1996 versus Spain, we actually won. Uh, That was the Euros. We beat Spain on penalties. Wow. It is possible. 1996 versus Germany, though, in the semi-finals of the Euros, we lost on penalties. (laughs) Uh, 1998 versus Argentina, uh, in the second round of the World Cup, we lost on penalties against Argentina. 2004 versus Portugal in the Euros, the quarterfinal, we lost against Portugal. Yep, on penalties. 2006 
in the World Cup quarterfinal, we lost against Portugal again. Yep, on penalties again. <laughs> 2012 versus Italy, uh, we lost on penalties again. That was a quarterfinal in the, in the Euros. Uh, 2012. 2018 versus Colombia. Finally, we won a penalty shootout. And that was some of the most tense football that I've seen for a long, long time. It was just excruciating, I have to be honest. Um, I can't imagine the amount of pressure uh, that these players are experiencing when they step up to to take these penalties. Just incredible. Actually, that makes me think of, what was it, Denmark? Denmark, Croatia. Because that was another outstanding penalty shootout because we had, um, what's his name, Schmeichel. Uh, what's the what's the guy's first name? My memory is an absolute mess today. Anyway, Casper, that's it. Casper Schmeichel, son of Peter Schmeichel, the Danish goalkeeper, had an outstanding game against uh, Croatia. He he saved a penalty that um, happened during the match, and then during the uh, the shootout, he saved another one, I think, um, and had an outstanding game, but still lost. So, I mean, I'm very sort of uh, happy for Croatia, but I'm also feeling a bit sorry for Denmark and and Kasper Schmeichel in particular because of uh, the fantastic performance he showed. But anyway, Colombia versus England. So one of our players missed or had his penalty uh, saved, at which point all the English people had their heads in their hands thinking, oh God, it's going to happen again. Um, And then our goalkeeper, Pickford, who's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's kind of quite athletic, saved a penalty against Colombia. And then it was down to uh, an English player, Dyer, to actually score the final penalty. And so it was all on his shoulders and he stepped up and, and stuck it in the back of the net. So, oh, what a relief, what a relief. And I think if Colombia had actually played proper football um, instead of the sort of conduct that they showed, then they probably would have won. Um that's it. That's the second round. So now we have quarterfinals. France versus Uruguay, Brazil versus Belgium, England versus Sweden, and Russia versus Croatia. I think England have been quite fortunate in um, in the route that they're taking through here. So Colombia, it could have been worse. I mean, I think if we'd played Japan, we probably would have lost. Because the way that Japan played, they were just so great, we probably would have lost against them. We've, we've done pretty well, and we've got Sweden. Now, Sweden are playing very well. They've got excellent team spirit. They're going to be a very tough team to beat. Um, it's very hard to score goals against Sweden. They've got excellent defence. They're very good in the air. They, they don't play too differently to England. And whenever I've seen England play Sweden in the past, it's usually been a pretty boring game. They kind of cancel each other out. So I hope that it won't be a boring game. I hope it'll be an exciting game. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to penalties again because both teams will struggle to score goals against each other. So it could end up being another penalty shootout. We'll see. I wonder if our nerves can actually take it. Um, But, you know, Sweden, when you look at the other teams like Belgium, Brazil, France, Uruguay, I think we've done pretty well with Sweden. So I don't know. We've got a chance. Um, we've got a chance to get through to the semi-finals where we would play against Russia or Croatia. Arguably, uh, not the strongest teams in the final uh, eight that we have here. So now in England, people are starting to talk about how 
maybe this is the year for us. Maybe maybe we're going to do it this year. And people are even starting to sing that song. It's coming home. You know the one. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. That one, which is um, a pop song that was released several times um, during the you know last couple of decades. It's a, a song by a, a Britpop band and a couple of comedians, and it's all about um, the experience of being an England fan and the the expectations and the disappointments and the the feelings and the passion and everything of, of being an England supporter and hoping that the World Cup is going to come home because, of course, in England we we think that we invented football, uh, which is arguable. I don't know if that's the case, but anyway, um, people are starting to. St- suggest that maybe football's coming home i think it's too early to to call i think only until we get through to the semi-finals can we actually start uh singing that song um or even the final quarter final we could easily go out against sweden so i'm not holding my breath france uruguay i'm looking forward to that very much i just want to see a good game obviously i'm supporting france um and i think that france could could do it they've got this young exciting player um is his name mbappe i think his name's mbappe i think that's how you say it who looks very impressive he could be certainly one to watch for the future if if not one to watch for right now because um he's displaying some some great skill and uh, he's kind of like one of these flashy uh, uh players a bit like your neymar or messi or something like that with great ball control exciting player so I hope we see some exciting stuff there from France. Uruguay, as I said before, very impressive at the back and at the front. I wonder what's going to happen. That should be a great game. That should just be a really, really good game. And hopefully a high-scoring game. We'll see. Brazil versus Belgium, Friday evening. That's going to be an absolute cracker. It should be. Because Belgium are a solid team. They're very impressive. The way they came back against Japan was really, really good. They showed their class. They showed their strength. They showed um, just the depth of the team. Uh, to be able to come back like that. God knows how they conceded two goals in the first place. But anyway, so uh, that's going to be great. Um, I'm looking looking forward to that. Russia, Croatia. Croatia are looking like a very exciting team. Russia, of course, are kind of surfing this wave because the World Cup's hosted in in Russia. Obviously, that's it must have given them a boost. Uh, And Russia are proving to be pretty impressive, certainly in in the way that they can kind of close a game down and... um, they, they can be very defensive. So it'll be interesting to see whether Croatia can open Russia up. I think that, that Croatia are the favourites in that game, surely. But you can't underestimate the effect of playing at home and being in front of a home crowd. I think it can, um, it can really kind of, as I said, give you a boost. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then we've got Sweden versus England. I think that the, the, the favourite overall is still Brazil. But it could be, I mean, if you look at the... Look at the pairs of teams. France-Uruguay. It's a very tough one to call. As I said, I kind of fancy Uruguay, although I hope that France will go through. I'm going to say Uruguay. And then Brazil-Belgium. Let's say it's Brazil. And then, so that means Brazil versus Uruguay. I think Brazil could beat Uruguay, but remember there's that weird curse, which I think the Brazilians are over now. Some old curse from when Uruguay beat Brazil in a World Cup final. I think that's over now because it's been replaced by the Germany curse. Oh, I haven't talked about those teams that got knocked out. I think I can talk about them. Germany are out. 
And I mean, obviously, I feel sorry for Germany and all the German people. I've got lots of Germans listening to this podcast. Very sorry. But at the same time, can I just speak on, on behalf of the entire planet when I say that the rest of us, we're, we're very happy <laughs> that Germany got knocked out just because, all right, just because normally Germany just win all the time. They, they normally just win everything. And, and the, the rest of the world, we're just fed up with it now, okay? We're fed up with it. We're fed up with Germany just beating everyone all the time. And everyone's just had enough of being knocked out of the World Cup by Germany. So it's quite a refreshing change to see Germany get knocked out in the first round of the World Cup. I mean, it's just unprecedented. Uh, also, Spain, uh, I've talked about them. Who else got knocked out? Argentina got knocked out by France. So goodbye, Argentina. Another big team that got knocked out, but not a huge surprise considering the way they've been playing. Who else? I'm sure there are loads of other teams that I'm I'm forgetting here. Where are we then? Well, who's going to win? I think it's... I'm, I'm putting my money on Brazil, but I also quite fancy Uruguay. But if it's between Brazil and Uruguay, ooh, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting game, that's for sure. And then Sweden, England. I've got to put my money on England. And then I think we'll probably face Croatia then in a in a semi-final. <sighs> I don't want to count my chickens. Don't count your chickens. That's an expression that means don't um, don't like assume that you've got something before it happens. Don't count your chickens before they're hatched. So imagine you've got you're trying to count how many chickens you've got. We all know that problem, don't we? It's a you know common problem. Oh God, how many chickens have I got? Let me just count them, and you get all your chickens together, and you also get all the eggs. There's maybe some eggs that haven't hatched yet. And you shouldn't include the eggs when you're counting your chicken, chickens. So let's say you've got five chickens and three eggs. It's not, oh, I've got, basically I've got eight chickens, because those eggs might not hatch. So you've got five chickens. Don't count your chickens before they are hatched. To hatch means to come out of the shell. So we shouldn't count our chickens. We shouldn't assume that England are going to beat Sweden. But hopefully they will. And then I think they'll probably face Croatia and um, well, we'll see what happens. But it's going to be a tough. It's going to be a tough thing. I'm just happy that England are through to the quarterfinals. I'm happy that England managed to uh, break the penalty curse. And I th- that's it now. I just hope that England can just enjoy playing football and enjoy competing at the uh, quarterfinals stage of the World Cup. Okay, let me now read out some. I'm going to put my wall chart over there. Let me just read through some comments from the website. Um, these are comments that have come in over the last week or two. First one from Zdenek Lukas from the Czech Republic. He said, I've managed to see about 80% of the games so far. What a fantastic World Cup this has been. I love the way it panned out for Argentina going through in the end. Very impressed by performances of Croatia, Belgium and Colombia. So this is eight days ago before Argentina got knocked out, but they did manage to get through to the, to the second round. No idea who will win, but my personal favourites are Belgium, Spain, pretty much any South American team that gets to the knockout stages, and of course, Germany. Well, Zdenek, Germany, and you can cross off Germany and Spain from that list. Lineker would say that football is a beautiful game, and at the end, Germany always win. And we're probably going to see one surprising team in the semis. Of course, seeing England lift the trophy would be Luke-tastic. Also, I'm going to be in England when, when this would potentially be happening. Fingers crossed. As an Arsenal fan, though, I must say I'm hoping Kane doesn't get the golden boot. Because Kane, uh, 
Harry Kane plays for Tottenham and Tottenham are Arsenal's rivals. Just kidding. I wish him all the best and then he could join a much a new and much more decent club in the new season as a World Cup winner. All right. Sergio Tellez Pinilla, I'm not sure where he's from, says this, just simply this. Neymar is a clown. Okay. Um, now, Neymar has been getting a lot of flack recently. He's been getting lots of criticism. Some might say justified, deserved criticism for, you know, his behaviour. Uh, and I wondered what people in Brazil think of Neymar. Do you all sort of defend him? I, I learned the other day that in Brazil, everyone agrees that Neymar often falls. And I heard that there was some expression. I can't remember how you say it in, Brazil, in, in Brazilian Portuguese, but there was some uh, expression which is used to describe the, 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 the economy in Brazil or the currency in Brazil. And when the currency drops, it kind of does a Neymar or something because it falls. Brazilian listeners, you can confirm or deny this, but uh, what do you think of Neymar in Brazil? I mean, obviously, we love the way he plays football, but we don't like the way he does other things, you know? I think this is this is one of the stories in the World Cup, you know, uh, Neymar's behaviour. Francisco says, I've always thought of that, but now the truth has been revealed. Luka Modric is your secret brother. Ha ha ha. Very funny of you to comment on that. Well, yeah, he's either my secret brother or he's my doppelganger or he is um, my like my the version of me that would be included in the FIFA computer game. And then Maxim replied saying, don't you know that we're living in the matrix? It's just some some malfunction in multivariate imposing reveals the fact that we're all connected to one single upper identity. When we look at Luke and Luca, our brain computers start glitching and then boom, Bob's your uncle. We see what we see. Okay, maybe that may be an extremely intelligent comment, actually. That's probably how it works, that when you see someone who looks like someone else, you kind of, our brains glitch and we just kind of put the two people together or something. Um, Zielak146 says, Hi Luke, first of all, I'm Polish and I'm disappointed about the Poland team. I expected more after what they achieved in Euro 2016 in France and now we are going home. Oh, sorry, Poland. Uh, in my opinion, the best team is Belgium. I think they can reach the final, but we will see what they show against England. Well, they beat England 1-0, didn't they, in, in that basically pointless game at the end of the, the group stages where it didn't really matter what happened. Um, I also appreciate Croatia, who play nice football. Okay, there aren't clear favourites. Argentina? No. Germany? No. France? Brazil? They don't play as good as we expected. Well, you mean they don't play as well as we expected. Well, they've started to improve, haven't they, Brazil? I'd like to know, what do you think about Maradona's behaviour at the match against Nigeria? I'm looking forward to the next uh, episodes about the World Cup. Sorry if I made any mistakes. So this is when Argentina beat Nigeria in order to go through to the second round. And Maradona was kind of shouting at, I think, Nigerian... Who was it? Nigerian fans, the Nigerian coaching team. He was kind of shouting at them and he, he stuck his fingers up at them. He gave them the... He st- he gave them the finger. He gave. He flipped the bird, which is another way of saying to stick your middle finger. He flipped the bird at, I don't know who, the Nigerian team or something, with both hands. So it was a double bird flip 
situation from from Maradona. Now, what do I think? Well, I mean, I don't really, I don't really care that much. It doesn't really bother me. I mean, I think it's just Maradona being Maradona. And obviously, it's very rude and unacceptable behavior and uh totally out of order, but it's just Maradona being Maradona. I mean, in a way, I'd be disappointed if he didn't do something like that. So, I don't know. I don't care. I don't mind, really. But I think it was basically really rude and unacceptable. But for me as an individual, I don't care. I thought it was quite amusing. Uh, Timur says, Hi, Luke. I think Belgium has uh, a big chance to win the World Cup. Uh, they uh, have very strong midfield. And also, Lukaku is an amazing player. Croatia is uh, is good. Is it Croatia is or Croatia are? England is or England are? Argentina is or Argentina are? Well, it could be both, to be honest. It can be both. The team is the team are. You see, uh, the team can be a single thing or it can be a, a collection of individuals. So it could be plural or singular. It's up to you. There's also others like the government is or the government are. The police is or the police are. So, you know, um, Croatia I tend to say Croatia are, I think. Croatia are good too. I have a question for you. Have you ever wanted to work as a sports commentator? I mean, the way you speak is pretty much like English commentators do. Um, I've never really wanted to work like a sports commentator. I've, I've sometimes thought about it. One thing I find interesting is the way that sports commentators speak. Uh, I mean, whenever you're talking about football and talking about results and tactics and things, you're going to end up sounding like a football commentator. But... Um, in my opinion, football commentators have a, a particular way of talking during the game. And um, sort of the way it works is they can be, they've got different tones. I mean, I talk about BBC news reports and news readers uh, in my stand up and talk about the different types of voice that you hear uh, from news reports. But um, uh, sports reporters or sports commentators also have their own special way of doing things. So they sort of send, tend to speak in this sort of tone. Um, you join us now in the uh, blah, blah, blah stadium as England face Sweden. This is the seventh time that they've faced each other in an international competition. You know, everything's in this kind of register up here. And, uh, you know, not when the, when they're in the pub with their friends, they're like, "All right, mate, how do you do it? How you doing? Like, did you see the game? Yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it? You know." And then when they're actually commentating, "Did you see the game? Yeah, it was pretty good, wasn't it?" And uh, England now coming through, you know, that kind of thing. And then they they get very dramatic at certain moments. So they'll just be talking, and then suddenly very dramatic like that. And then they calm down slowly and back to the original speed and volume. The conversation now is back to the same tone as before. He's got the conversation under control now as he moves forward, pushing the conversation now, applying pressure now, and it comes through. And I can't remember what I'm talking about. And the memory drifts far and wide there, and he's really in trouble now. And it seems any hope here is running out, as I just can't seem to remember the topic of this conversation anyway. I woke up this morning and the postman knocked on my door and it was a package from Amazon. You know, um, I do enjoy the way that sports commentators uh, talk and that deserves a whole episode of the podcast on its own, to be honest, which I'd like to do. Uh, Aulo Enrique Oliveira, who must be from Brazil. Yes, and he says, I'm Brazilian. And apart from thinking 
apart from thinking that the team is playing slightly better than in the last cup, I'm not sure we'll make it to the finals. I really like how Belgium and Sweden have been playing. Just for the record, everyone here dislikes the way Neymar has been acting up in the first matches. Oh, okay then. Finally, I'm sorry for Germany getting out so soon, but we had our little revenge. If you sum up their game scores, you get 7-1. So if you actually sum up all of the German scores in the first round, you end up with 7-1, which is obviously the score for from when uh, Germany thrashed Brazil in the last World Cup, but Germany go out with a total score of 7-1. Ha ha ha. Sarcastic laughter. Aslan said, Brazil are going to take the trophy, mark my words. Okay, nice expression, that, mark my words. That's like when you make a prediction, you can say, mark my words, as a way of emphasising that you think this is definitely going to be true. It's like, like remember what I said, Brazil are definitely going to take the trophy, mark my words. Uh, Yaron said, wow, Germany are out. Die Mannschaft, I think... D is that D Mannschaft? Die Mannschaft? I don't know. Sorry, don't speak German. Uh, as a Die Mannschaft supporter, I'm very disappointed. I hope that it will be a wake up call for Die Mannschaft, D Mannschaft. I think this is a, a way of referring to the German team. And that they will come back stronger and hungrier for winning, uh, or you mean to win, uh, the next uh, World Cup. Okay, well, we will see. You know, the Germans, they always kind of come back and i don't think there's ever been a period where germany has just been crap has there i don't know um but i wonder if um they're gonna have to make changes to their management or something anyway we'll see uh maxim said okay messi is packing for home as well as ronaldo let's look forward to tomorrow's matches i hope luka modric will crack denmark's defense lines absolutely spectacular championship heralding that the era of young players has finally come and Mbappe is definitely one of them. Pierre said, yep, uh, Mbappe did a great game and he's only 19 years old. A bright future for this guy. Nick said, Spanish players were pressing very hard and our players were struggling to stand that pressing. So he's talking about Russia versus Spain here. Spanish players were pressing very hard and our players were struggling to stand that pressure. Um... And uh, the duel at the end was absolutely spectacular. So, of course, big thanks to the both teams for the game. Fair play, innit? Zdenek Zdenek Lukas again says, Nick, I will be honest with you. I saw the match and I'm a bit conflicted. On the one hand, I really don't like it if a team defends for 90 minutes with 11 men and then win matches like that. But on the other hand, I'm happy for Russia because they're the host and this is always great for the atmosphere of the entire tournament and because you guys fought really hard. Besides, Spain didn't deserve this match because they didn't take enough risks. So overall, a big surprise, but as a neutral, I'll take it. And Nick said, I think it was the only way to win the game and they did it. It was a smart move, more chess than football. So this is Russia's decision to kind of uh, defend uh, and very deep uh, against Spain. More like chess than football. Well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Since the Russians are known for their skills at chess. Uh, Sebastian says, Hi Luke, Uruguay passed the exam. What do you say about this? Well, congratulations. I guess Sebastian is from Uruguay. Um... I'm from, well, yes, I'm from Uruguay, and I'm very proud of this. Uruguay no ma, 
which I think is probably like go go ahead Uruguay or something. Do you know that Uruguay is the team that has won more international championships? It's always uh, an underestimated team. I'm sort of editing as I go here. We won two Olympics and two World Cups and 15 American Cups. Wow, I didn't know that. Know the history about this great selection team from Uruguay. Thank you for your, all your work here. It's almost almost as good as the Uruguayan team. Well, thanks. I think Uruguay have got a great chance. I, as I said, I, I think Brazil are probably the favourites, but I do fancy Uruguay. And, uh, you know, we forget, don't we, that they've got two World Cup uh uh, wins already um, under their belt and numerous other wins as well. So there's no reason why uh, Uruguay can't win this one. Uh, Yaron said, oh, about the England penalty shootout, he said, oh, Luke, what pressure. Finally, England wins a penalty shootout in the World Cup. I'm happy for you. Good luck in the quarter final. Um, uh, Syntropy said Luke congratulations on the England football team's victory they finally broke their penalty shootout curse Zdenek said Dyer scoring that penalty was the most emotional moment of the World Cup for me so far Elena from Russia said the World Cup in Russia seems to be lucky for England they're doing really well well I wouldn't say they're doing really well I think we scraped through against Colombia uh, they might have more fans here. And she's uh, included a link to a Guardian article about how England fans have been enjoying a really great time in Russia, despite some of the reports which came out before the World Cup about how England fans might have a really hard time and the comments about the tricky diplomatic situation between England and Russia. But according to the article, everything's going great. I'm going to read the article now, actually. I'm just going to read through this article. You can see it linked on the page for this episode. Um, Let's have a little look here at this article from The Guardian, written by Tom Rosenthal. And it says, Message to the English. Come to Russia and feel the love. Fans warned against travelling to the World Cup in Russia for fear of hooligans are missing a treat. The locals have been amazing. Well, I mean, this kind of reflects what I've always felt about Russia, is that the Russians... Uh, as individuals, when I meet them, when I have contact with them on my website and stuff, are always lovely and and great and positive and friendly and, you know, just nice, as you'd expect. And Russians I've taught English to have been nice and uh, and and smiley and, and all those sorts of things. But then you, you read the news and it's all about how, you know, England fans need to be careful because there will be groups of Russian ultra hooligans who are going to fight with them and, and the England fans, if they cause any trouble, they'll get arrested and thrown into jail and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But apparently it's going really well. So here's the report from Tom Rosenthal. He says, this World Cup is good. Having been lucky enough to be at Nizhny Novgorod for England 6, Panama 1, St. Petersburg for Argentina 2, Nigeria 1, and Kaliningrad for Belgium against England, I get to write in The Guardian to say my personal experience is that Russia is absolutely killing this World Cup, which is a vast improvement on killing spies in Zizi. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Um, People might not enjoy that joke, but anyway. So apparently Russia is killing the World Cup. The organisation of this tournament has been fantastic and you'll struggle to find anyone who'll say otherwise, which is not because they are a double agent or a Twitter bot, because, uh, but because it's true. Newspaper headlines, 
bloodthirsty hooligans vow murder, or a Russian ultras kid boot camp, and Russian hooligans warn England fans prepare to die, a BBC documentary called Russia's Hooligan Army, a foreign office warning of heightened risks of violence. What do these things have in common? Well, they're things that the UK media reports. Basically, those reports have basically put a lot of English people off coming. And you saw in the Columbia game, the the stadium was full of Colombians and there weren't many English people there. And so I guess the, the point is that English people are missing out because the World Cup experience has been great. It's so trite to say that the people have been amazing. It annoys me when people come back from a country and say, oh, the people were amazing. It's like, come on, they can't have all been amazing. There had to have been at least one dickhead in Mozambique or wherever it is that people have been to. Oh, yeah, the people, where, where did you go? Oh, we went to, like, uh, uh, Mozambique. Oh, what was it like? Oh, the people were amazing. Um, sounds kind of annoying. But anyway, the response of the Russian people to England fans has been the polar opposite of what we were told to guard against. Mark Roberts, head of UK football pol- uh, policing, warned against taking English flags to Russia for fear of being too imperialistic and inciting violence. He might have felt a little silly in Victory Square, Kaliningrad, with St George's crosses draped over every inch of the Ugasheka pub, native onlookers cheering along to the umbro-clad group of English lager lads singing adapted Atomic Kitten songs... Southgate, you're the one. You still turn me on. Football's coming home again. If flags are universally signals of peremptory intent, tell that to the Russian teenager who asked all the fans he met to sign his flag with where they were from. Like, oh, you know, Dave from uh, Stevenage or, you know, whatever. Desecrating the sacred colours of the motherland with Jeff Grimsby doesn't get you put in a gulag, apparently. Okay, I guess this this Russian fan had a Russian flag and he was getting the England flan, England fans to sign it with where they were from. And if all this sounds too magical to be true, that's how it felt. When numerous Russians asked why we were being told not to come to their country, once uh, phrasing it heartbreakingly as, why don't you like us? I initially worried it was some sort of state edict that Putin had issued into their mind chips to trick us. But it quickly became obvious that it was I, plagued with worries of being attacked if I donned an England shirt, who'd been operating in a fantasy of disinformation. My first Airbnb host said how happy he was to meet an Englishman, as his favourite author was Stephen Fry, and he described how he'd very much enjoyed the BBC adaptation of War and Peace, and that Russians felt a great affinity for the British, as they also had a great empire in the past, but are now far less powerful and in somewhat of an identity crisis in the present. I tried to return the compliment, but I'm so poorly read that I settled for saying it was great when Andrei Arshavin scored four goals for Arsenal at Anfield. Yes, there are clearly problems with Russia and racism, homophobia and hooliganism that, as a straight white man, weren't likely to impact my trip. For a country avowedly impressed with the British culture of 30 years ago, one wonders where the Russians get uh, such ideas. But those issues seemed as irrelevant to this World Cup as Britain's plundering of Iraq's oil or the troubling treatment of migrants were from the 2012 Olympics. The 
experience of being a football fan in Russia, not just for me, but for the Senegalese, Nigerians, Panamanians, and uh, other people I was tolerating FIFA's godless fan parks with, was so surprising and thrilling as to be soul-enriching. So the experience of being a fan in Russia was uh, thrilling and soul-enriching. Okay, huge congratulations must go to the law enforcement that's been put in place to stop both the most fighty Russians and the most fighty English from making their presence felt. But those responsible for the headlines with too many capital letters should be ashamed, not just for denying England fans these experiences, but for all, but for allowing the Russian people to feel demonised and indeed for allowing Putin to capitalise on this othering of the Russian people to support his us-against-them narrative. Every English person that has a positive interaction with a Russian person is a step further away from letting the people in power turn us against each other is what I drunkenly mumbled into Anastasia's ear a few minutes before I learned she had a husband. <laughs> and as if, and a few minutes uh, after she'd said there are no good computer hackers in Russia, and about 20 minutes after I'd been singing Football's Coming Home. We're all living in our own fantasies, I suppose. Okay, the point I get from that is that basically this guy had a really good experience in Russia. He's having a good experience in Russia. People are very friendly. Despite the reports that have come out of the media about how English fans need to be very careful and the expressions of, you know, national pride in Russia wouldn't be taken very well. Uh, and his experience is, like, totally different to that. And I guess the point here is, I think the good point I'd like to make here is that if we start to behave like English individuals and Russian individuals don't get on or can't get on, or that there's some sort of political or cultural thing that divides us, if we start to do that, that just helps those, I don't know, what are they, political leaders or those people, those leaders who are doing various naughty, nefarious things on, a, on an international level, um, it helps them. We shouldn't listen to all that nonsense, that propaganda, that basically on an individual level, English people, Russian people and people from all over the world, we're basically the same. We love to, to watch football. Um, we, we like to just have fun and as individuals, we're just one, all, all part of one wonderful family. Um, and so we shouldn't let those uh, propaganda ideas influence the way that we uh, treat each other. Because if we do, then we are helping these naughty uh, people who are doing all sorts of weird, mysterious, naughty things on an international level. Okay. All right. I think that's a good good uh, way to finish this episode, isn't it? Um. Let's just hope that there are no problems. I really, really, really want to keep my fingers crossed for two things for England. Three things. Three things for England. So the first thing is that we do well and that we, I don't know, maybe beat Sweden and get through to a semi-final. That would be nice. So that's the first thing. Second thing is that our fans behave themselves and we don't get any issues with the fans. And the third thing is... uh I've forgotten. <laughs> I think it's the same as the second one, that we don't want any issues with the fans and we we want just peace uh, on earth to, to reign for all time, like the end of Lord of the Rings. You know, at the end of Lord of the Rings, when Sauron's been defeated and everything's all good again and 
Aragorn is the king and it's all wonderful and glowing and there's nice light and Frodo's in a bed and the other hobbits come in and they all jump onto the bed and it it gets a little bit gay but that's fine that's okay but everything's nice and Gandalf comes in and he's everyone's cuddling each other and smiling and uh, it's all wonderful that's what I want basically and that's the image I'm going to leave you with at the end of this episode thanks very much for listening don't forget to leave your comments on the website please do because I want to get your comments Uh, I need your comments so that I can you know read them out in the next episode uh, of the podcast which will be about the World Cup at some point we've got the quarterfinals coming up this weekend I'll be at home um, with my family uh, in England and we'll be watching the games and we will be keeping our fingers crossed for England and France Um, if I get the chance I'll record something while I'm there if I can. My dad also is completely obsessed with the football. He's been watching all of the games. I'm not sure how my mum feels about that. Uh, while we're there at the weekend, there'll be f- all four quarterfinals will be happening over the weekend. So I expect we'll be watching lots of football this weekend. Um, and if I can, I'll record something with maybe my dad and my brother or something like that. But we will see. Leave your comments in the comments section. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll speak to you again on the podcast soon. But for now, goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.